So I, I have a story. <laughs> you know, they say when you practice loving kindness, it brings all kinds of tremendous benefits. It protects you from uh, the harm of weapons. It helps you sleep well. It, it just is really have nice dreams and all kinds of things. So um, when I was in the monastery, after I'd practiced a, a couple of years of uh, insight practice like this, then uh, Saito Upandita asked me to practice uh, the Brahma Viharas. So the first time I, I was training in um, metta with him, he starts you out, he's very thorough, and uh, he started me out, and I did two months, 22 hours a day, one person, pervading loving kindness, and went from there to develop the whole series of uh, benefactors and friends and other. So, and then after you do that uh, for several months, then you move on to compassion and mudita or joy and, and equanimity. So I did that. And then it was sometime later after I had gone through that the first time that uh, I was practicing Vipassana again. And I'd been a monk about three years maybe. Three, three and a half years. And in 1988, there was a big upheaval, political upheaval in Burma. And the former dictator, Ne Win, decided to step down. So everybody got excited. They thought, oh, now we're going to have democracy. We're going to have a vote. We're going to have democracy. So, oh, the whole country just got really exuberant. And uh, the, the whole country went on just on a holiday for like six weeks. And everybody was just so happy. They were marching in the street, every group, every civic organization, and everybody was just marching in the street, you know, uh, so excited about the dictator, the, the much unloved dictator stepping down. So it really got, it was pretty exciting times in Burma. And, um, when I would go on alms round, and I would go with the group from the from the monastery, go on alms round. Oh, every day we'd be out on alms round, and there'd be hundreds of people streaming into the city to go uh, have this kind of protest march, jubil jubilation uh, thing. It was just extraordinary. Well, we knew it was too good to last, <laughs> and uh, somewhere in August, I think it was, there was. Uh, there was a, an incident that really humiliated the military. Oh. So they, they didn't like that. So it was about a month later that uh, we were in the monastery, and it was about uh, 9 o'clock, 9 or 10 o'clock at night, and we heard all these firecrackers going off, you know, da, doo -doo 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 -doo, and kaboom, kaboom, and da 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 kaboom. We thought, wow, this is really strange to have fire, firecrackers, fireworks at this time of night. Then we heard the loudspeakers. And uh, at that time, the military was reasserting control of the country. And we weren't hearing firecrackers. It was machine guns and bombs and tanks and stuff like that. So it was like, whoa. 
So they said everybody has to stay inside and uh, there's no more congregating. Any group of uh, three or more, four or more, something like that, was fair target for the military. Nobody could congregate. So ooh, over the next uh, week or ten days, there was just tremendous upheaval in the country. Everybody was like really confused and paranoid and a lot of people disappeared because during the six weeks when all of the people were protesting, every protest, every group that was being led you know, through the city was videotaped. And during the time when the military reasserted control, all those who were leaders of any of those groups disappeared. Wiped out a whole generation of effective social political leaders. Military reasserted control. And at that time, Aung San Suu Kyi had returned to, you know, the, the woman of Burma, the lady they call her. She had returned to Burma to take care of her mother who passed away. But she was right there during the time when this was happening. So her father was like the George Washington of Burma. So she spoke to uh, the people and just hundreds of thousands of people would, would come to see her uh, speak at the Shui Dagon Pagoda. But uh, none of the monks in the monastery where I stayed were allowed to go out. They weren't allowed to be political, weren't allowed to go out. So it was a very uh, protected place. And all the Burmese people that had been there practicing had to leave because uh, the, the whole country was shut down. No food coming into Rangoon. There was threats that the water was being poisoned. It was really a hard time. So it was really difficult to practice Vipassana. I was practicing Vipassana. And, you know, practicing Vipassana is staying open to your thoughts, your feelings, the sensations. And it was just so much rage and anger and frustration and confusion. Man, there was no sense of getting a calm mind or getting stable or anything. It was just chaotic and tumultuous. So uh, I said to Saito Pandita, I said, I, I think I better practice metta, a calming practice, a mind that uh, calming the mind down because it's too hard to practice Vipassana. She said, okay. So I started doing uh, metta. And uh, after I was doing metta for a benefactor for uh, a while and then moving on to the others, one day I went to see him for my check-in and he says, are you doing metta for the generals who took over the country? I said, no. Why would I do that? Blah, blah, blah. You know, all my anger came out, all my <laughs> judgment. And he says, you know, they want to be happy too. They want to be happy. But out of their ignorance and confusion, what they're doing, they think is really going to make them and others happy, but it has just the opposite effect. So if you wish them to be happy, if they become happy, maybe they'll stop doing what they're doing. So I said, oh, that, that makes sense. So I then started trying to do metta for the generals who were being so brutal and really nasty. And it wasn't easy, as you can imagine. Even though I didn't know them personally, I saw the effects of their behavior or misbehavior, actions, all around me. So I was doing, you know, trying to do the metta for the, for the generals and... Uh, in time, I got to where, okay, I could, I could really sincerely 
wish them to be happy, wish them to be peaceful, wish them to be free of mental suffering, physical suffering, because I really did want them to be happy. You know, and then they would see, I thought they would see, and they would uh, amend their ways. So I was very sincere and, and devout in, in practicing uh, that metta. And then I moved on, and uh, I started doing equanimity, because even metta was too, too intense, really. So I needed equanimity to just stay there, because when the country blew up and there's upheaval like that, uh, the uh, embassy people came out to the monastery and said, you, you all should leave. We cannot guarantee your safety in this country. And almost everybody left. There was a few few of us stayed. And then, uh, because Aung San Suji was getting so much attention, the, her husband was there with her. The, the military passed an edict that said, all foreigners have to leave the country. They just said, you know, and within a couple of weeks, uh, all foreigners have to leave the country, thinking that if Aung San Suu Kyi's husband had to leave because he was English, that she'd go with him. But she didn't. <laughs> but we got the word at the monastery that, oh, you have to leave. But anybody who was a monk could stay to the end of the range retreat, which was in the full moon of October, I think. And it was a, a month and a half away. So I said, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to leave. Uh, this is my monastery, and I'm a good monk. And da, da, da. so I said, hmm. Uh, so I said, I want to appeal to the government to get a extension of my visa, so that or get permission to stay. So I composed this letter in English. You know, I'm just so and so. I've been here so long, and I'm a good monk. And you can check with my teachers. Blah 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 blah. Oh, you got to remember that the, the Mahasi Meditation Center where I was staying was actually kind of a, uh, started and supported by the opposition to the military. So they were always suspect of everything at the Mahasi Center. And we knew that there were, that there were people, spies, in, in the monastery who were keeping an eye on things, see who was, you know, so nobody could, could do anything. So I said, I, I'm here, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing this practice, and I'm a sincere monk, and blah, 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 blah. And uh, so then I had it translated into Burmese and written out uh, by uh, a, a good fellow, a, a monk who could write really nicely. So I had this letter addressed to General Ufo Myant, who was the, uh, the, the head of the Department of Home and Religious Affairs. So then I said, okay, now I've got to get this letter to him. So I'll, I'll go downtown and find out where he is. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> and, 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 and just, go, just uh, go into the office and give it to him. <laughs> of course, no, there were roadblocks everywhere. You couldn't, you couldn't go one mile on any of the city streets because there were roadblocks and you had to have permission to go from one section of town to the other. And... I wasn't going to, Burmese people couldn't get it, and I certainly, certainly wasn't going to get it. So I said, huh, now how am I going to do this? So I just asked a couple people in the monastery, you know, how, how can I get this letter to Ufo Mint? You know, there's no mail or anything like that. How can I get this letter to Ufo Mint? And uh, I was in my, I'm in my room one night, and uh, I knock at the door, and uh, this woman came in, who was the dietitian at the dining room. She was the woman who kind of oversaw the dining room made sure we got as good a food as was available. 
And she said, um, and she always liked me. I, I don't know why, but she always liked me. So she said, uh, oh, I, I heard you have a, a letter for, for Ufo Mint. I said, yeah, yeah, I do. I'm trying to figure out how to, I, I want to stay in the country. And I figured I'd write to him and see. And she said, well, my niece married his son. Huh? And I'm going to go have dinner with them all tonight. And with General Ufo Mint. She said, I'll take the letter for you. I said, okay, here it is. So she, she, she went off. The next day she came back and she said, oh, uh, I had dinner with uh, my family and uh, I took your letter to General Ufo Mint and I told him who you were. And he read the letter and he told me, he said, tell him, me, to just apply for a visa and I'll see that he gets permission to stay. Everybody else, all the other foreigners in the country had to leave on the appointed time. I got to stay. The only other foreigners in the country were embassy people. This is how powerful metta is. <laughs> it's true. It's true. That's why you should practice a metta. <laughs> yeah. Even for those who really give you a hard time, you never know when they're going to be in a position to offer a benefit to you. Not that that's why you do it, but... <laughs> Somewhere in this long wander in samsara, you can be sure yeah, you'll meet them again. Thank you for your practice today. <laughs>